Thank you. Uh, Thank did y'all know the most important things to know about Phil is that he was captain of the lacrosse team That's right. in college. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. That's awesome. Hey, it is great to be leading the service today. I hope you guys are enjoying uh, getting to know the training school a little more. How awesome was worship? I was like loving just being in the presence. It was amazing. Thank you, guys. Hey, I want uh, whoever's in CFTS this year to stand up, and we're just going to give them a, a round of applause. All right, stand up, CFTS. Yes. Hey, these guys ha- have given a year of their life to the training school saying, hey, I want to know God, and I want to know the purpose that he has for my life. And so we've committed. We've, we've gone deep in community, gotten to know each other really well. And we have loved being with these guys. They have, and we've also plugged them into major ministries here in the church, into faith group leaderships, into service, and they've done an awesome job. So I'm just going to say, guys, thank you. You guys have done awesome this year. Hey, I also want to, my wife just left, but my wife Leslie, has, uh, she's co-directing with me. Yeah, that's right. Beautiful wife, Leslie. She should be up here with me. There she is. Thank you, Leslie. She's run the whole cake auction. So I just want to honor her as well. Hey, we are doing a cake auction. Silent bids are in the back. At the end of uh, me talking, we're going to get the cakes up here, and we're going to have a ton of fun auctioning off some cakes. So I hope you guys are ready for that. Hey, I want to invite Tim Lash up. This is one of our students this year, and he is just going to give a short testimony of what CFTS has meant to him this year. You're on. Morning. So, yeah, I'm Tim Lash. I just moved to Boston in September, basically to do the training school um, and to be around my extended family that live around Boston. But I'm also one of the Texas people. (laughs) Um, Went to Baylor for college, enjoyed the Antioch Waco Church, uh, but never wanted to do training school. Actually, I was, like, pretty dead set against it, Uh, even while a bunch of my friends were, like, getting rocked by doing training school, I was like, you know, I know it. You know, I, I, I had this self-righteousness in my heart. It's like I, I felt like I knew the things that I needed to know. Um, but since then, it's been like two and a half years um, since I graduated, and God has led me on this journey of just humbling me, making me realize how much more of him I need and that I need to seek him in community. Um, and so coming into training school... Um, I was, I just had this determination God had given me to, to become a doer and not just a knower of the word, um, to really let his words penetrate my heart, not just my head and let it overflow from my life. Let people see, uh, my true colors, let people see the gospel in my life, not be ashamed of the gospel anymore. This is what I wanted. And so I want to describe, um, what happened in one of our first weekends together as a training school, we had a fall retreat in Maine, and one of the things we focused on was the Father Heart of God. Um, another one of those things I've heard so many times, you know, normally it would just kind of bounce off my head, I, I know it. Um, but something changes when you, when you go to God in humility and you say, Lord, I want what you have no matter what. No matter what it looks like for me to pursue this, no matter how much of an idiot I'm going to look like by going to the front at this point, uh, it doesn't matter. I want you. I need you. And so God honors that. God honors that humility, and he responds by revealing more of himself to us. And so um, this weekend, God, I mean, God spoke, like, clearly, really personally to me. 
um, in a place where I had, I had always looked, to my, looked for my value in performing for others and performing for him. He spoke that he loves me because I exist, um, because he made me. He, he knit me together in my mother's womb. He made me exactly the way he wanted to make me. I don't have to perform for him um, to make him love me. And, and, of course, that's one of those things I know, but he, he let it penetrate my heart. And that kind of set the stage this year for transformation in my life, um, for getting free from things that have held me back for a lot of years. Mm. Um, and so later that weekend, um, I, I decided to share this part of my story in college of some really dark times in my life, uh, really hopeless times that I had never shared with a group before. Um, but this, this attitude of like humility, vulnerability, getting real with each other and just hunger among the, the students of CFTS um, and together with Phil and Leslie has really set the stage for, like, our lives getting rocked. Um, God changes things uh, when we go in like that. And, and so I shared this story, and, and, um, and since then, God has just been making all things new in my life. Um, he's not only having me, he's, he's having me revisit these different, like really hard parts of my life that were just filled with hopelessness before. Um, but he, and he's, he's not just like covering them over, um, but he's making me revisit and he's redefining and he's filling those places with his love and his hope and peace. And so, um, he's turning what was broken into, into light. And, um, so God is good. I just want to, I want to boast in the Lord today. Um, He's been good to me. And um, he has, he has these things for you too. He he has redemption of all of the hard things um, in your current, in your past. Um, CFTS is a great way to seek it out. Not the only way, but I fully 100% recommend it. (laughs) Thank you, Tim. Awesome, Tim. It's one of nine lives that have been changed this year. Love it, man. Well, yes, yeah, so it, the training school is a year-long program. Um, if you are interested in, in giving a year of your life to really uh, learning how to journey with Jesus, we want you in CFTS. So come and talk to us afterwards. Talk to me, talk to Leslie, talk to any of these students. We'd love to give you more of the practical details. I did uh, the training school in 2009, 2010, up on the North Shore, and uh, my life was really kind of changed after that. I I was in business, uh, I worked in real estate, did the training school, and and it was there, and it was also at the the, uh, harbor where I was like, this is an amazing community, this is an amazing program, and I was like, I want to see this kind of replicated all around the world. And so I had the opportunity to go to Morocco, and I spent two years in Morocco. Uh, so my life was really kind of shifted uh, after doing the training school. And that's not everybody's story, is you're, that you're going to go overseas or, or going to become a missionary. That's not everybody's story, but it is for everybody, because all of us need a shift in our life in terms of perspective and saying, how do we bring Jesus totally into our lives? So that's why we do the training school. Well, hey, I want to share a, uh, a short message to encourage us this morning. Every year uh, in the training school, we read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. When I look back on my time in the training school, the most powerful thing that I was able to do, more than the awesome teachings, more than uh, real accountability, more than our outreach trips, it was, it was me reading through the Bible and, and understanding God's perspective 
about human beings. So that was the theme I picked up that year, is kind of what does God say about humans? This year, uh, I've, been, I've been noticing two different themes. So we, each year that I read it, something new comes up. And this year, the themes that have been sticking out is, the first one is that God is, is drawing, he's calling, he's pursuing all people to come back to have relationship with him. He is, he's, he's wanting all nations and all tribes and all peoples to have relationship with God. And the second thing is, is very, it goes hand in hand. Is he's saying, I want you, my church, my sons, my daughters, to actually partner with me in drawing people's back. And so this morning, I'm going to be looking at a ver, uh, verse uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. It's a short story. It's called The Call of Abram because I really believe that this story is kind of the story that is a jump start for these two themes throughout the rest of the Bible. But before we actually read that, I want to give us a short bit of context just to give us an idea of what, what came before Genesis 12. So Genesis is the first book of the Bible. And so I'm about to take us from Genesis 1 to Genesis 11 like so fast. This is a real quick summary, so stick with me here, all right? Here we go, Genesis 1 and 2, God's intention for the, for the earth and for humans. God created the world, he created humans, and, and he said that they were good. And he created humans for actually a purpose. He said, work this land, cultivate it, be fruitful, multiply, name the animals. He gave humans purpose. And we even see this really dynamic relationship between humans and God. We, it says that God actually walked in the garden, like God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. So that's, that's the kind of setup. And if you ever are wondering what God's kind of plan or hope for, the, for humans was, read Genesis 1 and 2. That's what it was. But then, saddest day in history happens. Genesis 3, right? The fall of man, it's called. And, and, and God says to Adam and Eve, do not eat from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But what did they do? They ate from it, right? They, they rebelled against God. They actually disobeyed him. And because of that, sin entered into their lives and into the world. And so God, because he's perfectly holy, he actually had to separate them from himself. And so he kicked them out of the Garden of Eden. And from there, it's just been a, a rampant kind of spiraling of sin throughout the world. So Genesis 4 is the first murder, right? Cain murders Abel. Genesis 5 and 6, it talks about how the world is now being populated. And and it says that God actually looked on his humans and and regretted what was happening. He he looked on them and he was so saddened. But there's this little glimmer of hope in in, in 7, 8, and 9, right? God says, okay, I'm going to start over. I'm going to start over with a new family. And so he chooses Noah and his family. And he says, I'm going to send a flood to wipe out everything, but I'm going to start over with Noah. So Genesis 7, 8, and 9 is a story of Noah. But the problem is, is that sin was still in Noah. It wasn't removed from him. It wasn't taken away. And so Genesis 10, is, it's called the table of nations. And it says that from Noah's descendants, the whole world was filled with peoples. And then finally, Genesis 11 is the story of the Tower of Babel. And it's, it's kind of the, the story of man's pride. It says that man got together and they said, let's make a name for ourselves and build a tower up to heaven to be equal with God. And God said, no, this is not how it's going to be. So he, he comes down and he gives all the peoples different languages. And so what we see, Genesis 1 through 11, is this God's original intention for relationship. 
But then sin, which becomes rampant, and it goes, spreads throughout all the world and all these different languages and all these peoples are spread out all the world and they're all sinful. So that's the setup. But I'm, I'm going to jump really quickly to Revelation 7, right? It was mentioned up here a couple times. Revelation 7 is this picture of the end of, of, of heaven. And it talks about the throne room and it says that every tribe, every tongue, every language will be brought back together into God's throne worshiping Jesus. So how do we get from this chaotic explosion of sin all around the world to this unified worship setting in front of the throne? This is where I believe Genesis 12, 1 through 3 is a key passage for us to understand. So let's go ahead and put that on the side and let's read it. This is called The Call of Abram. Abram's the character. He was a, a man and he had a family in probably modern-day Iraq, and God called him out of Iraq, that area and, and brought him to Canaan, which is now kind of modern-day Israel. So, so here, here's what he says. The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So I want to look to two things I really want to kind of talk about today. One is I'm going to, I'm going to attempt to define the word blessing. Right? This is a word that we use so often. But I'm going to actually try to, try to give us maybe a new definition of what blessing might mean. And then I want to talk about how God has in, in blessed us in order that we might bless the world. We have been blessed to be a blessing. By the way, in your bulletins, if you got one, I have a little outline. I did this to help myself and to help you if you want to follow along. So, let's look at the three promises here. I I underline them. The first one is, I will bless you. God says to Abraham, I will bless you. So again, what does this word mean? I, I, we use the word all the time, God bless you. Oh, bless this food. You know, someone sneezes and we say, God bless you, right? We use this word, but for me, I'm like, what does that even mean? And so this week I was just asking the Lord, what does this word mean? Racking my brain for, for uh, what it might mean. And, and I, I was reminded of uh, something that we're, we've been memorizing in CFTS this year, we're memorizing Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which is the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of Jesus' kind of largest teachings. And in the beginning is called a section called the Beatitudes. And nine times in 12 verses, Jesus uses the word blessed. And so I was like, well, I think Jesus has some insight into what this word might actually mean. And so I was like, all right, Lord, let's look at this and let's see what you mean by blessing. What does God mean when he says, I will bless you? What does it mean to receive a blessing from God? What does it mean to be blessed? And so let's look at the the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to go through it, and we're going to just each point kind of take some way that this means that we've been blessed. This is what Jesus says. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So I want to look at these each quickly. And I'm not going to focus on the first part when it says, you know, blessed are the meek or, or blessed are the, the poor in spirit. I'm going to actually focus on what it means to be blessed. That's a whole nother sermon. But I'm going to say, this is what it means to be blessed. So, so first one is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does kingdom of heaven mean? I, I thought that the word that kind of really wrapped up for me was citizenship. We now have a new citizenship. We are not just citizens here of this earth. We are citizens of heaven. We have a new Lord. We have a new government. We have a new God who we submit to. We give our lives to this new, this new place, and that, that is the citizenship of heaven. So what does it mean to be blessed? It means to actually have a new citizenship. It means we, when we die, will have eternity in heaven. We're, we're going to be part of a new kingdom. So what does it mean to be blessed? It means to be, it means to be called into a new citizenship. Second one, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Those who are blessed are comforted. You know, a really sad story happened this week. A, a family friend of ours who I, I went to camp with, I went to camp with his boys. Um, he's got three boys that are in college and high school age, and and the father was running this week, and he got struck by a car, and he was killed. And, it, you know, Steve was an amazing man. He was, a, he was a man who loved God, and he loved his boys. And he had a, uh, a memorial service on Friday that my uh, brother got to go to. About 5,000 people came to this thing. Again, this guy had influence. And, and the three boys get up front, and they start sharing about their dad. I didn't know it was closer, but it is. They start sharing about his dad, and, and I can't believe that these, got, these boys had the courage to do that. Share about how much their dad meant. But each one, my brother said, talked about and, and shared the gospel message and said, Steve had such an influence on the community. Steve loved God. Steve is in a better place now. And so I can't imagine, well, this, was, this week as I thought about it, I was like, Lord, bless these guys with the comfort of God. These boys, they, this will be a hard thing for them to, to work through for the next few years, I know that, for the next part of their lives. But, but God, bless them with your comfort. And so that's what I think it means to be blessed, is when we go through things like that, can we turn to God and receive the comfort of God? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. To inherit the earth, I said, what, what does that mean? I think it means purpose. Again, I'm reminded of, of Adam in, in Genesis 1 and 2. God says to him, cultivate the earth. Work it. Give names to the animals. Be fruitful and multiply. He gave Adam purpose while he was on earth. And we now live on this earth, and we are now sons of it. We are descendants from Adam. We have inherited the earth. And so I believe that, that blessing is God giving us purpose to live for. But blessed are the hungry, for they will be filled. So those who are blessed are actually filled with God, filled with the knowledge of God, 
filled with the spirit of God. God loves to pour out his spirit on us and fill us up. Those who are blessed receive that filling of God. How about blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You know, mercy, we, we deserve punishment, but, but instead of us receiving the punishment, God placed it on Jesus, his son. And so that is mercy. We don't deserve it, but we're given it. And so those who are blessed receive mercy from God. We have mercy when we, when we are blessed. How about blessed are the, are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I, I felt like the word for this was glory. We actually behold God. We see the radiance of God. And multiple times throughout the Bible, when, when those who saw God, they fell on their face in awesome wonder. They were terrified. I'm like, give me some of that here on earth, right? I want, the, I want to see the glory of God. That's a blessing. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. This is a huge one for us. Identity. Those who are blessed receive a new identity. We are now sons and daughters. You know, I, th- I think of my daughters, Hannah and Ava, and they're now Mastersons. They've been given the identity of being Mastersons. And every single day, Les and I, we, we pick them up. We just tell them, I love you. You're so beautiful. We're speaking identity over them. Not only are they welcome into the family, but we're also speaking identity over them every day. And how much greater God when he speaks identity over us and says, you are now a son. You are now a daughter. I love you. This is a blessing. And then finally, blessed are you when you are insulted and persecuted, for great is your reward. So the blessing of the Lord is a a reward. One day in heaven, we will receive rewards for whatever we've done on earth. And I I don't fully understand this, but guess what? It's it's a reward from God, so it's got to be pretty good. That's a blessing. We have that to look forward to one day. So what does this word blessing mean? Again, I, it's, it means a lot, but it's, it's an amazing word. I want, I want us to walk out of here, and when we say bless you, we, we mean uh, you've got purpose. You have a new purpose to live for. You have comfort. Are you mourning right now? Bless you. Bless you with the comfort of God. You have identity. You can walk as a son and a daughter knowing how much God loves you. That's what I want us to walk away with when we think of blessing. So did these even apply to Abraham? When, when God said to Abraham, I will bless you? Well, I think, it, I think they do. Multiple things I see in his life, right? I see purpose. God chose Abraham out of all peoples and said, I'm going to start a new family with you. He gave him purpose. God gave him identity. He renamed him. His name changed from Abram to Abraham, meaning father of nations. God speaks over him. You will be a father of nations. And then finally, glory. He saw God. He, he talked with God multiple times throughout his life, and he actually saw visions of God. So Abraham walked in the blessing of God. Abraham received the blessing of God. And this is what it means. When I, when I think of Jesus trying to define what it meant, when we can look to the Sermon on the Mount. So that's the first thing is, is God says, I will bless you. The second promise that, that Abraham receive from God as he says, God says to them, you will be a blessing. And so the way Abraham will be a blessing is shown in a promise that God made to Abraham later on in his life in Genesis twenty two eighteen, God says to Abraham, through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. And, and offspring, in some translations, it says your seed. So he says, 
through your offspring, one of your descendants, through them, I will bring a blessing to the world. I will, I will bless all nations. Guys, this is a prophecy of Christ. This is, this is God telling Abraham, through you one day, my son will come through and be one of your descendants. In, in uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses 1, it talks about the genealogy of Jesus. And it says, Father Abraham. It starts with Abraham. And it goes through all these names until we get to Jesus. Christ descended from Abraham. Christ was the blessing that God was sending to the world. And remember, this is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life, the greatest teacher and philosopher of all time. Jesus Christ, who at the end of his life was killed. God placed all the sins of the world. God said, all sins are going to go on my son. Instead of me punishing humans, they can give their sins to Jesus. This is the Jesus that, that we're talking about today. This is the Jesus that was killed, buried, and for three days stayed buried, but then was resurrected. Right? God gave him life again and brought him back up to heaven. This is the powerful Jesus who we know and serve. This is the Jesus that brought salvation to the earth. Guys, the greatest blessing of all time that we can receive or that humans can receive is salvation, freedom from our sins, freedom from our bondage. And it comes through Jesus. And then through that salvation, we're able to receive all these other blessings that I was talking about earlier. Citizenship, sonship the comfort of God, the filling of the Spirit, those all come through Christ. So we've seen that, that God is saying, I, I will bless you, Abraham, and then now you will be a blessing. Through you, Christ will come to the earth, the greatest blessing of all time. Now let's look at the final promise here. Now God says to you, all peoples on earth, Abraham, will be blessed through you. Now this is where it gets fun. This is where we fit into the epic story of God drawing all peoples back to himself. This is where we get to place ourselves in history between Genesis 11 and Revelation 7 and say, here in 2016, I will partner with God and I will bring blessing to the earth. I will will help him draw all peoples to the greatest worship set of all time in Revelation 7. Guys, this is the great commission of the Old Testament. Right? The great commission that Jesus spoke in Matthew 28, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Well, here God is saying to Abraham, through you all nations will be blessed. Go and be a blessing. Unless we think that, that we're not part of that blessing, I want to I make a, a quick connection to Galatians 3. This is Paul writing to the Galatians. This is Galatians 3, 7 and 8. It says this, understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith faith, and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. See that in quotes, all nations will will be blessed through you. This is him quoting Genesis 12. This is amazing, guys. The gospel was, was pronounced to Abraham thousands of years before Christ even came. God tells Abraham, all nations will be blessed through you when Christ comes through you as a descendant. And then, 
That last verse, guys, so those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham. Anyone who has faith now receives the exact same blessing that Abraham received and the same mandate to be a blessing, to bring Christ to all nations of the world. So now what? How do we respond to this message? First of all, I think there's a couple ways that we can respond. If, if you are here and you're saying, I, I have no idea what you're talking about, that I can receive a blessing from God, or I can receive the blessing of knowing who Jesus is. If, if, I, if I don't know what it means to, to kind of give my sins to Christ, well, I want to say today is the day to receive the blessing of God. Today is the day to receive it. And so if that is you, I want to talk to you afterwards. I want you to come up to me and say, hey, I want to know more about what this actually means. And I want to share with you more what the blessing of Christ actually means and what what that can do for your life. Secondly, I, I was just thinking of how do we actually be a blessing, right? God has blessed us in order for us to bless others. God has blessed us in order to bring blessing to all nations. How do we actually do that? And I was just thinking, hey, each of us, here we have like probably 150 people in here. We're going tomorrow, this afternoon, we're going to all these different places that we influence. Neighbors, workplaces, our families. How do we bring a blessing to them? I was just thinking, which of your coworkers needs to know that there's real purpose in life? That there's purpose greater than, than whatever they're pursuing. I'm sure you guys have coworkers that you're just like, man, if they only knew who Jesus was. If they only lived with a purpose that Jesus gave them. Or maybe you have family members who, who need some serious comfort right now. Maybe they're mourning something. Maybe you're mourning something. Do they need the comfort, the blessing of Jesus? Maybe they need identity. Maybe, maybe you know someone that's just pursuing worldly things. They're saying, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find my identity in either relationships or my work. And you just see their life. You're like, that's going to crash one day. Do they need a new identity? Do they need to be introduced to who Jesus is, introduced to, to being a son or a daughter of God? So I want to I encourage you and challenge you guys to be, to be really praying and saying, how do I be a blessing to those spheres of influences in my life? And then finally, and this is where we're going to be transitioning to the cake auction, is uh, how do we, I I continually want to make sure us as a church are looking to the nations, to looking to make sure that we are a part of what God is doing in drawing all peoples who do not know who Jesus is back to himself. And so this summer, we have an awesome opportunity as as the training school and as different, uh, the young adults and college here at CFCF, we're sending teams to Germany. So right now, there's a, there's a refugee crisis going on. I'm sure you've heard about it. There are literally millions of displaced people due to, due to war and other things, atrocious dictatorships, and, and, and people are literally fleeing the Middle East and North Africa right now. And a lot of them are going to Europe, and they're being resettled in these different cities. And so Antioch, the larger church movement we're a part of, has said, hey, we want to have different bases all throughout Europe and say, wherever these people are being resettled, we want to actually bring Jesus to them. You know, it's so unique. It's a unique time in church history in that most of these people are Muslims who live in countries that they do not have access to the gospel. And they're going to places where the gospel can be freely shared. And so we're saying, God, we want 
to share the blessing of Christ with these people. We want to, just want, we want to love on them and hear their stories, but also share who, who you are, Jesus. And so that's what we're doing this summer, and that's what you guys are about to partner with us with the cake auction. So this is our time as a church to say, hey, we're getting behind you guys financially to get over there. We're corporately saying, hey, we want to bless the nations by sending these teams to go over to these places and, and, and interact with refugees who need to hear about who Jesus is. And so that's what we're going to be doing right after this. But I'm, I'm going to pray. I'm going to, uh, Sandra, you can come on up. Les, you can come on up. But let me pray to close us. And I just want to say that, hey, you are totally free. Uh, this is the end of the service after I pray. So you're totally free to go. But we would encourage you guys, stick around, have fun. This is going to be a great time. We're going to be auctioning off some great cakes. Do not eat them here in the, in the gym. We've been told that very clearly. You can eat them up in the lobby, but, but enjoy this time together of us saying, hey, let's get behind these teams and send them over to Europe this summer. So let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the blessing that you've given us in Christ. Lord, I ask that, that, we would, that the, the, this idea of being blessed would be redefined for us and it would just carry power as we pray blessing over people, as we pray blessing over our neighbors and our coworkers and our families, Lord, and our children. As we bless them, Lord, may we, may we have the weight of what that actually means. And Lord, we want to be as a church part of what you're doing all around the world, drawing all nations back to yourself. We cannot wait till Revelation 7 happens, Lord when all peoples will be gathered before your throne, worshiping you, Jesus. And, and we want to have a major part in bringing as many people there as possible. So I ask, Lord, for just our church, bless us. Give us favor. Give us purpose, Lord, to partner with you in what you're doing all around the world. And bless this cake auction, Lord. May we have a ton of fun and enjoy eating cake and spending a lot of money for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you, guys.